Well, hello, everybody. I want to say a special hello to my mom who watches every week online in Western Maryland. Mom, I hope to get to see you very soon. We're thinking about a road trip up there, and I hope you're doing great. And I want to say all those, say hi to all those who are watching online. We've had so many new people watching us from Fayetteville, Arkansas to Africa. So welcome. Thank you for tuning in. Be sure to fill out that welcome card if you're watching on a Sunday. And, uh, but whatever platform you're watching on, let us know that you're watching. We'd love to get to know you uh, a little bit. We're in this series called Not What You Think. And I had a Not What You Think moment with my grandson, Bo, this week. Uh, or at least I heard about it. He's almost four years old. And you know how kids will take a telephone and pretend like they're having a conversation with somebody? Well, he did that. He picked up a cell phone or a play phone, and he was uh, having this pretend conversation. Well, his mom asked him, and said, Bo, um, who are you talking with? Well, now Bo's got a crazy imagination, and when he picked up his phone, he's having this great conversation, and his mom asked him, who are you talking with? Now, she's expecting him to say, Sugar or Pappy, me or Lisa, you know, the grandparents. But when she says, who are you talking to? He says, it's Jake from State Farm. It's, it's one in the morning. It's Jake from State Farm. What are you wearing, Jake from State Farm? I'm wearing Jake. <laughs> it's Jake from State Farm. Kid watches too much TV. Well, kids are funny, and uh, I know you, you probably are getting ready for kids. Some districts have already started back to school, and you're probably getting ready to get your kids back to school, and it creates a lot of anxiety and uncertainty. And, um, but here we go, the new school year. Most of it's online, and I know that creates anxiety for students and parents and teachers, so hang in there. Uh, these are desperate times for so many people. And so I was thinking uh, in this series, Not What You Think, I was thinking that we should talk about desperation a little bit because I don't think desperation's all that bad of a thing. In fact, desperation can be a good thing. It can drive you to the right things. It can also be a bad thing, but I wanna talk about how desperation can help because I believe there's an idea here that God presents to us that's really helpful for our spiritual growth in our faith. And so many people are in these desperate times. So none of us wanna be desperate, but eventually... If you live life long enough, you're going to find yourself in a desperate situation. So I want us to see God at work in our desperation. There are many stories of desperate people coming to Jesus in the New Testament, and we see desperate people in the Old Testament. I want to look at a story within the book of Mark. It's quite remarkable. Mark has this habit when he's writing of putting a story within a story. And that's what we're going to find here in Mark chapter 5. In this passage, Jesus had been around a great crowd. He was really surrounded. He was kind of the new teacher on the block. And everybody wanted to hear from him. And in this great crowd, two desperate people emerged to ask him for his help. Now, both people recognized their limitations and they believed that their last hope was Jesus. That's kind of how it works for all of us, isn't it? Uh, our last hope tends to be God and we become very desperate. Now, the real point of this story is to for Jesus Christ to demonstrate that he was God in the flesh and he had the power over sickness and death, right? So God, Jesus is saying, I'm gonna use these desperate situations to demonstrate something powerful 
in my life and who I am. And he wants us to recognize him as God, right? So, but the story reveals something about us as well. Let me read it to you in Mark chapter five, verse 21. It says, when Jesus had begun, uh, again, crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. The one of the, uh, sorry, then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with Jesus and he said, my daughter, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. So here's the story. Jesus had been on one side of the lake that was mostly non-Jewish in its population, and now he crossed over to this heavily Jewish population, right? And this guy named Jairus was an official of the synagogue. He was a high-ranking official, and he was a man of great influence and great prestige. But when he came to Jesus, he did so as a desperate father seeking to spare the life of his critically ill daughter. Now, we know as parents what desperation is like. If you've ever ever had a very sick child, you understand that you would rather it be you than your child who suffers. So you can relate to this father. And and one of the things I want you to see and remember about desperation, because what I'm saying here, it's not what you think, is that desperation can really help you. And desperation helped this guy, Jairus, right? And he, he was part of the, a ruling class. He was a high member of the synagogue. He had money. But as part of the synagogue, right, he, he, he's part of a group of people that's actually going to go down in history as the people opposed to Jesus. We know that Jairus had to sort of hear all of the miracles that Jesus was uh, um, sort of performing, and he had to come to a place in his life where he had to decide about uh, what his peers were thinking about Jesus and what he was hearing about Jesus in his own personal situation. And the point here is this, desperation changes your thinking. Yeah, we're gonna put it on the screen. Desperation changes your thinking. And so Jairus had to come to a place where he had to think, Jesus might be my only hope to save my daughter. Now, you know this man loved his daughter very much and he wanted to do whatever he could to save her. So a desperation allows you to lose your bias and it allows you to lose your affiliations and your peer groups and your prejudice and your fears and what you think you know and it allows you to change your perspective. Desperation allows you to jump out of your comfort zone. Desperation allows you to not be trapped by your previous understanding and allows you to move forward with a brand new perspective. And that's what happened with this man. I wonder how much of our thinking and our bias and our affiliations keep us from believing deeply in God today. I wonder if you grew up in a home, for example, that kind of put God sort of to, a, to the side or, um, you know, God was just a religious idea that you celebrated during certain holidays. But when Jesus came and dwelt among us, man, what he wanted to say is, come to me, all you who are burdened and heavy laden, and I'm going to give you rest and cast all your cares upon me. And Paul says, man, 
pray about everything and don't be anxious. And, and, and what happened is God set up this ideal of a, of a relationship with him that wasn't religious. But I wonder how much our own home uh, influence, the home we grew up in, influences our thinking about God and how we relate to God. And all of a sudden, what desperation will do for us is allow us to push through these boundaries that have been put in place by tradition and allows us to honestly and authentically cry out to God. Now notice that Jairus, uh, Jairus was humble and he was bold. Uh, this man was a powerful, influential leader in the community, but not in this moment. He fell at the feet of Jesus and cried out. He had reputation and money, but in this moment, he was desperate and so he was humble. All the things you thought were important all of a sudden become unimportant when you get into a desperate pl place. Desperation creates boldness. Put that on the screen. Desperation creates a boldness. You just kind of lose a sense of self-management. This man fell at the feet of Jesus and boldly asked. No ceremony, no negotiation, no posturing, no image management. He just cried out to Jesus, please help me. Desperation allows you to drop your mask. It allows you to keep it real. And when you're desperate, you just don't care what you look like and you don't care what people think. And that's a good thing. Desperation strips away your pride. So here's that story within a story. So as they're moving toward Jairus' daughter, another story emerges. Look at the verse. It says, a large crowd followed him as he was moving, right? And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all the money that she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. And when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in a crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I could just touch his clothes, I would be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. And we see this huge crowd surrounding Jesus. It was, I mean, really, I don't think the words do it justice. I mean, it was like a, uh, you know, Jesus could hardly even get through to get to Jairus' house so that he could heal her daughter. And this woman, who we don't even know her name, right? We see this huge crowd around Jesus and this woman who's nameless is trying to get help for herself. She's desperate. So as Christ is heading to help the little girl, this desperate lady breaks into the story. Here's what we're told about the lady. She had suffered a great deal. She had been to many doctors. She had spent all of her money and she wasn't getting better. She was getting worse. Because of this woman's condition, you have to understand in this culture, in the Jewish culture, she would become uh, considered ceremonially unclean. She was an unclean person. And she would be condemned for touching Jesus or, or really even pressing into the crowd. But So she wanted to do it secretly. She didn't want to ask Jesus for help. She didn't beg Jesus. She just wanted to slip through there. You can kind of see her in your imagination, slipping through the crowd, trying to get low. And if she could just, here comes Jesus down the, down the way. And if she could just reach her hand out and touch his clothes, she thought maybe that's all I needed. 
You see, the Jewish community and possibly even her family would consider her really somebody to stay away from. And so she was very much alone. So what fed her desperation not only was her disease, but I'm sure it was her feeling of alone. Now, many of us can relate to this desperation that comes from being lonely or feeling alone. In this time of social distancing and the coronavirus and all this being alone, being kind of holed up in our home, most of us have struggled at some point over the last few months of this lonely feeling. I miss people desperately. Can you imagine living for 12 years with this disease where she was isolated and ridiculed for her disease, believing, most people believe that God was punishing her for something? She was so desperate that she fought her way through the crowd just to touch Jesus. Now, desperation makes you take chances. That's the third thing I want to say. This is why it's helpful. It allows you to take risk. She was taking a great risk. She would be punished. She would be ridiculed. She would be ostracized if people would would have caught her trying to touch Jesus. So, what are the chances that this would actually work, she was thinking. But she was taking a chance. Like, her, her idea was really simple, kind of crazy. It was like, if I could just touch Jesus' cloak, then I could be healed. What are the chances that's actually going to work? But see, desperation allows you to take chances. Here's what happened, though. She was healed. Something happened here. And it says this, at once Jesus realized that power had gone from him. And so he turned around in the crowd and he asked a ridiculous question. He said, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you ask, who touched me? Everybody's touching you, Jesus is saying here. I mean, uh, the disciples are saying, how can we know which one of these people touched you? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. And the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, trembling and fearful. Remember, she, she was fearful because she thought she was gonna get in trouble because she wasn't supposed to touch anybody. Fearful, trembling with fear, she told the whole truth. And, and he said to her, listen to what Jesus says to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. So go in peace and be freed from your suffering. What a, what a powerful moment. This woman came forward and she was understandably scared and fearing that she would be condemned for touching Jesus. But look at what Jesus responds. He responds with compassion and mercy. Jesus didn't want this lady to miss the connection between God and the miracle. He didn't want the people to think, or especially this one lady to think, that this was some sort of magic trick. He wanted to connect with her. He wanted to make sure that she knew it was her faith that saved her in this moment. And the compassion and the tenderness of Jesus is powerful here. You know, this is the only time that Jesus referred to anybody as daughter. And he says, daughter, go. Your faith has made you well. It's touching that it wasn't the touching of Jesus's clothes, but it was her faith that made the difference. And that's the same thing that's gonna make the difference in our life. If our desperation will allow us to take the chances, it'll drive us to God and we'll be able to meet with his compassion and his power and his mercy. 
That's why he says, come to me. All you are weary and burdened. I'm gonna give you rest. But we have to be humble enough and desperate enough where we lay ourselves out and reach through the crowd of noise and try to sort of touch Christ in a way that extends our faith. So this is the story within the story. So back to the original story. Remember, Jesus is on his way to help a 12-year-old daughter, a girl. And it says this, while Jesus was speaking, still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus and, and the synagogue leader. And he says this, your daughter has died. She is dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told them, don't be afraid, just believe. Don't be afraid, just believe. Say that with me. Don't be afraid. Just believe. Can you command somebody to not be afraid? I mean, can you really command somebody to put their emotions in check and not let their mind race so it creates fear? Don't be afraid. Just believe. And it's the idea of keep on believing. This instruction tells us something important during difficult times. And that's this. We have a choice. We don't have to surrender to our emotions or our fears. We can decide that I'm not going to be afraid, but instead I'm going to let my desperate situation drive me into the presence of God. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to be a captive of my fear, hoping that this thing's just going to work out, but I'm going to exercise my faith. And there's these two voices that are fighting for your attention today, a voice of fear and a voice of faith. So which voice are you going to listen to? Now you can read the rest of that passage on your own, but here's what happens. Jesus goes into that house and says, hey, don't be afraid, just keep on believing. And he heals this daughter. He, he, he reaches down, he talks to this mom and this dad, and he brings this daughter to life. And it's just an amazing story of how desperation causes us to go to God and how God responds to our faith. Now, these two people are very desperate indeed, but they were two completely different people in this story. Uh, one of the commentators I read said, hey, Jairus uh, had a 12-year-old girl who was everything to him, and that was about to go away if she were to die. And then there, on the other side, we had a woman who had 12 years of agony and seemed hopeless to ever be healed. Jairus was an important man and the ruler of the synagogue, and the woman was a nobody. We don't even know her name. Jairus was probably wealthy, and he, he was very important and had a great reputation in the city, but the woman was poor, and she'd spent all of her money on doctors, and she wasn't getting better. Jairus came publicly and begged publicly, fell at Jesus' feet publicly, but the woman came secretly. Jairus thought Jesus had to do a lot to heal his daughter, to come to the house, but the woman thought all she needed was a touch of Jesus' garment. You see, Jesus responded to the woman immediately and Jesus responded to Jairus after some delay. J Jairus' daughter was healed secretly in a room, but the woman was healed publicly. And you can see how God deals with different people in different ways. Nobody likes feeling desperate, but this 
whatever desperate situation you find yourself in, let that drive you to the presence of God. God deal, will deal with you with compassion and miraculously, but he will deal with you uniquely. There is no formula for this. God doesn't deal with us all the same except for whatever he does for us is motivated by his love for us. God helps the desperate regardless of how important you are or how, what a nobody you may think you are. You're somebody to God and God knows about your pain and God knows about your fear and God wants you to respond to him in faith. And faith is what God is going to react to, not some sort of religious. God's not leveraging your good behavior with some sort of miracle. God is just saying, come to me, believe in me. And I pray that we will be humble enough to change our thinking, to be bold as we go to God in prayer and ask him for the things that we need and that we'll take some risk. And we won't be bound by tradition or religion or our own thinking. But in these times of desperation, we will pull forward and go to God in a way that allows us to be free, to be healed, to be different. So a little desperation helps. It's not what you think. But this is the way God acts. He acts toward us with love and compassion and mercy when we act toward him with faith and dependence and surrender. So I don't know what you're going through today. I don't know how hard this is for you, but I know God's aware and he cares about you. And he wants this desperation to grow our faith. And I pray we won't miss this opportunity to cry out to him in desperation and see him work miraculously in our lives. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, thank you for these two extreme different people and how you act lovingly and miraculously toward both. You saved a little girl, you healed a woman, and God, it's just in a story that you really are uh, able to heal. You're able to bring relief. You're able to change things. So I know as I pray, there are many people that are watching this today that are desperate. They find themselves in desperate situation. And I pray that instead of being trapped in fear, that we'll allow our desperation to drive us into your presence and that you'll answer our faith cry with a miraculous touch. We thank you for your love and your mercy and your compassion in Jesus' name. Amen.